Welcome to the Tutor Podcast, the only weekly show for anyone who is in the business of helping people. If you're a tutor, a teacher, or a coach, the Tutor Podcast will help you start, grow, and love your tutoring business in plain English without the buzzwords and BS. If you want to make more money and make more of a difference, the Tutor Podcast will be with you every step of the way. Hi, it's Neil Camado here with episode five of the Tutor Podcast, the weekly show for anyone who is in the business of helping people. In today's episode, we're going to be talking about money, or more accurately, the truth about money. Because when you understand money, you can control money and not be controlled by it. So I think it would be useful for us to talk about what money is, what money isn't, the basic rules of wealth the compound effect of interest and inflation, good debt and bad debt. Then to wrap up, we'll look at how you can develop a positive money mindset. Okay, so let's loop back and dive into some detail on those key points. Let's go. So first of all, what money is? My considered opinion is that money is a socially acceptable illusion, a myth. It's an agreement between people and a marker for the rules. In the modern finance industry, money is really just numbers on an electronic screen or a bit of ink printed on your bank statement. Money as we know it has no inherent or intrinsic value whatsoever. Those brand new plastic tempo notes aren't worth anything. They function as money only as long as we all choose to believe in them. So that's money at its highest level. But now let's take a look at what they are on a day-to-day basis and how they function as long as that illusion is sustained. Well, as long as everybody continues to believe that your money is actually worth something, then money is effectively a, a storage place of value. It allows us to hold on to residual worth and to keep it in a tangible form. It's a lot less clumsy than, say, bartering, because we can exchange freely. It's a very low-friction kind of exchange mechanism, much less difficult than if we were to have to train our trade services for, say, a couple of sheep or a cow or some bread or some of the physical product in a barter exchange. So it allows us to pass value from one person to the next and to a certain extent store it it's convenient but of itself remember money is absolutely worthless what i consider money to be as a teacher as a tutor myself is that it's a byproduct of excellence when i'm helping other people now the more excellent i can be the more money i can earn which seems entirely appropriate to me And since my customers, my students are happy to pay my teaching rates, then it must be acceptable to them too. There's plenty of money out there. There are trillions of dollars or pounds in the world floating around. Despite growing up in a very poor working class family in a fairly rough part of Wolverhampton, I've come to the conclusion that it's raining money out there. If I could figure out the right kind of bucket... I can catch lots and lots of money. And when I've got one bucket, the next thing I want to do is, guess what? 
you're right, I'm going to go and find another bucket. And I'm going to find as many buckets as I can lay my hands on and put them all out so that they can all catch me some of that falling money. How's that sound to you? Why do I want to do that? Well, it allows me to be more of who I am. Because money acts like an amplifier for your core values and for your personality. Because I'm a teacher, I'm big into helping people. That's why I can afford to put the time aside to do this podcast. There's no financial gain in this podcast for me whatsoever. It's to help other people to take their own lives forward. Having trod that path myself, maybe I can save you some time. Maybe I can save you some money. Maybe I could even save you some heartbreak and help you along the way. That's the plan. Now, because money amplifies who you are, if you're a complete knob and you've got money, you've just got the opportunity to be an even bigger knob. If you're a good person and you are moral and ethical, then the money gives you the the potential to be more of what you are. Positive or negative, money will only amplify what's there. If you think of all the people who were skint and then won the lottery and then a year, a year and a half later, they're even more skint. They blew the whole lot. And you hear about this all the time. The money makes things more of what they already are. If you're a dysfunctional person with issues and with alcohol or drugs or some other kind of aberrant behaviour, you'll just do more of it. If you're the sort of person who likes to help other people, as I believe most of us are in the tutor community, then money gives us the freedom to teach better, to train ourselves, to learn more, to become better at what we do. And, of course, that gives us the potential to earn more money. So we have a virtuous circle. As we get better, we can earn more money, which allows us to get better. So money is all of those things. And what I found out is that money is not what I was told. Money isn't dirty. My dad used to talk about filthy lucre when he saw people making a lot of money. And what I realised was that that was because he wasn't making a lot of money. And there's probably a little bit of envy there, maybe even a bit of anger. He was quite an ardent socialist and a trade unionist at one time. So I wonder how much of that came out of his inability to make money and the frustration with that. I'll never know. He's long gone, and I miss him. But money isn't dirty. Money isn't bad. Oh, how could it be possible that we allow ourselves to believe that having money is in some way a negative situation for us? It drives me crazy. Trust me, I've been skint, and I've had money. And given the choice, I'd rather not be skint. I'd rather have the money. Money is good. Money gives me the freedom to choose how things go for me. I choose not to buy a flash car. I choose not to have an incredibly fast motorcycle or drive a helicopter or anything like that. It doesn't do that doesn't do it for me. What the money's allowed me to do is invest in property and to grow my property portfolio. So the work for me is now an option. Working face to face with my tutoring clients and my mentees, my coaching clients. It's all optional now. The money gave me the freedom to choose that and to choose with whom I work. So money is emphatically 
not a bad thing. It's not immoral to make money while you're asleep, which I do from my rental properties and from my intellectual properties, the books and the music. So I think sometimes we get in our own way believing that. Certainly one of the things that I was told when I was working in Eastern Europe running a casino out there was that I should get a proper job because I wasn't doing any physical work. Someone I know had a very strange attachment to physical work as being the only way to make a living for a man. And it didn't seem right to him that I was making significant amounts of money just by going to work every night very well dressed and talking to people. And that's essentially what my job was. So I think we could all get very comfortable with enjoying making money, enjoying our work. As teachers, we should be enjoying our work because if we're not enjoying our work, how can we influence our students, our clients? It's a good question. Money is not hard to get. When I was growing up, I was told that money was hard and didn't come easy and didn't go on trees. No, it doesn't go on trees. But if you're looking for it, and if you're alert to the possibilities and you respect money and you take care of it, the money will come to you. It seems almost magnetic that when you start to value money, and I don't mean this in an avaricious, covetous kind of way, when you take care of the money and you take care of business, the money seems to flow to us. It isn't scarce. There is a ton of money out there. As I just said, it is rainy money. Put your bucket outside in the rain and let it catch some money for you. Because it's not good, it's not bad. It just is. And if you have money, you can help people. You can give it away to the charity or the church or your family, your friends, whatever. And you can help people with that money. If you have no money, who can you help? That's the power of money. It's a very positive force, if used for good, if used for ill, it's a deeply negative force. So, how do you get money? How do you hang on to money? Turns out there are rules. The basic rules are, manage your own money. Learn to manage your own money. You must learn the rules of the money game. Start now and assess your situation coldly. Be dispassionate about it, wherever you are, good or bad, make sure you know what the score is. Make a list of your assets and your liabilities. Look at the cash in the banks, the debts you owe, the credit cards, higher purchase, the mortgage on your home. If you have investment properties or other income generators, look at what they're doing for you and make a list. Find out what your net worth is. Your net worth is the difference between what you own and what your liabilities are. It's as simple as that. If you don't know the difference between assets and liabilities, a liability is basically something which takes money out of your pocket and an asset is something which either stores value or puts money into your pocket. It's fairly straightforward. For instance, you might think that your home is an asset but it's not an asset because you have to keep paying for it. And of course, it's not generating anything. So it's effectively a money piss. And if you are in a mortgage situation, 
the interest payments on your mortgage loan month in, month out, are a liability. We won't talk about the capital value of your property at this point because the market can fluctuate either way. You and I have no control over that. So possibly the sanest thing that we can focus on is our cash flow, and that's the day-to-day passage of cash into and out of our keeping. And the trick with cash flow is to spend less than you earn. And that is such an obvious statement, and yet most people don't think about it. The old line about there being too much month left at the end of the money is commonplace. In salaried occupations, people run out of money before the end of the month. This was the way things were in my family growing up. Almost make it through the payday. If we made it through the payday and had money left, the first thing we'd want to do is go and blow that money as soon as it was payday again because it was extra cash. The idea of saving or investing that money never really blipped on the radar for me. So waking up to money much later in life was really quite a rude awakening. I should have been told more about money. We didn't cover it at school. No one talked about money. And as people here in Britain, we don't really talk about money. It's impolite or vulgar to talk about it. Now, I think we should be talking about money. We should be talking with our partners, spouse, with our children about money. Because if you don't master money, the need for money will master you. And it will run your life. But if you run the money, you run your life and that's a far more empowered situation for you and I to be in so please find out about money the first rule is learn to manage your money find out what you have and now start to pay yourself first this is a strange idea for me when I found out about it the idea was that whatever you picked up in your paycheck or your pay packet you would take some of that money out immediately and put it safe where you couldn't touch it jaw-droppingly obvious put some of the money away so you can't spend it and yet most people don't the money hits the bank and then they start to spend and spend and spend and at the end of the month they'll maybe save something except at the end of the month there's no money left sometimes they've spent even more than went in in the first place so they're in debt of course they start to develop a mindset and a reinforced opinion that there's never enough money So the idea of saving recedes into the distance. So pay yourself first. If you can only pay yourself 1% of your net take-home pay every month, then start with that. Go 1% in your first month. If that's 20 quid from your two grand paycheck, brilliant. That's a great start. Bank your 20 quid. Next month, make it 2%. Make it 40 quid. Then make it 3%. 60 quid. You won't notice the difference over a month. Let me ask you a question. Do you want a pound in your pocket every day for a month? It's not going to make a fat lot of difference to it. So start to ratchet up the percentage of your take-home pay that goes into a special bank account, which is your financial fortress. You'll never touch that money. Don't save for a rainy day because sooner or later it's going to rain. Save and save and save in that account so that you can buy assets and then get those assets working to generate more money for you. My Save and Never Touch account bought my first investment property and then my second and my third and so on. And now those properties have stored the value of what I've put down on them, the deposits, 
have leveraged the value of those deposits and now they're paying me cash month in, month out for very little time input. So they're paying me and making work just an option. So as soon as you can, start buying assets. Save for your assets and simultaneously, if you have debt, get rid of it. Debt is expensive and debt is toxic if it's the wrong kind of debt. We'll take a quick look at good and bad debt in a little while. Because what you want to do is make money work for you rather than you work for the money. Make the money that you saved pay you. In other words, invest in income generating assets. When you've got one, start a second. Develop more than one source of income. For me, tutoring is my main stream. My property business is my second stream. The writing is my third stream. And then there's the coaching and mentoring business. So whatever you have, books, music, courses, whether you do affiliate marketing or you still got your day job, whether you're buying and selling stuff on eBay, whatever, they're all income streams. So get as many of those as you can, one at a time. Don't try to do it all at once. Master your first stream, add your second stream as the first stream becomes easier because that will give you the bandwidth to operate. Because when you have one stream of income, you have massive exposure to risk and you only have one line. If you can add a second line of income, it's all straight to the bottom line because the first line will have paid all your overheads. The second input cash stream is almost pure profit and then invest it. The more you invest, the more the investments will pay you. So if you begin with one thing, it'll pay you one amount. And then you can get two, three, four, five, six different streams. And everything adds to everything else and multiplies everything else. What we call this compounding. It gains momentum over time. You might start out making very small amounts every month. But over time, as you add a little more and a little more and a little more, particularly if it's percentage-based, that can end up very significant over time. Here's how it works. Let's say the start of the first year you have £1,000 in a high interest account and you receive an interest payment of 10%. So your £1,000 has earned you £100 over the year. At the end of the year, you've got £1,100 in the bank and you decide to let it roll and then the next year, your £1,100 earns another 10%. That's £110. So at the end of that second year, you have £1,210 in the bank and you decide to let it roll again. Now, at the end of year three, you receive interest of 10%. That's £121. So now your total has gone up to 1331 and you let it roll and so on. And every year, the amount in the bank gets bigger and it earns more interest than the year before. So the process of growth accelerates and compounding is a very very powerful effect but it works for the negative too if you have debt toxic debt then debt compounds in exactly the same way it gets larger every year unless you pay it off and it gets larger every year by greater and greater amounts so if you have debt that is bad debt as i'll cover in a moment get rid of it quickly debt that you have is probably running at a higher rate of loss than the returns from any investment you're likely to make. But 
the third effect of compounding is inflation. And inflation can work for you. Here's how it works. And this is how it works for me. If I buy a house, a residential property, on an interest-only mortgage for £100,000, and I take out a 75% loan to value, I will owe the bank £75,000. But in 20 years' time, how much is that £75,000 debt going to be worth in real terms? It's going to be significantly less. So I'm quite content to sit on that debt and service it month in, month out from the rental income from the property. And at the end of the mortgage term, paid off when it's worth an awful lot less than it is today. The downside of that is that the buying power of the pound in my pocket is diminishing with inflation year in, year out. On the upside, of course, as a property investor, the rents on my properties are going up too. So think about inflation, think about compounding. And now let's take a look at good and bad debt. I'll start with bad debt, because that's the thing that you want to avoid most. Bad debt is what you owe for the liabilities that you bought. Your cars, your home, your jewellery, the clothes you bought on the credit card, all of those things. If they are not able to produce for you income at a rate higher than the cost of ownership, that's bad debt and their liabilities. Good debt, on the other hand, is the money you owe to purchase money-making assets that return you more than the cost of the debt. For instance, the mortgage on a property, as I said earlier on. It might be the loan to start a business that keeps on paying you. Anything like that, borrowing money on margin and making money on the margin, that's good debt. So, hopefully I've challenged some of your assumptions about money and given you perhaps a different opinion on money and what it is, what it isn't, and some of the simple rules. One of the things that it behoves us to do as self-employed people, as entrepreneurs, is to understand money and to have a positive money mindset. I advise you to read widely about money, to understand money, to find out as much as you can about it. Effectively learn and know the rules of the money game. Don't guess don't believe what everybody else believes because there are an awful lot of false assumptions out there in the world. Find some experts, track them down, ask questions. One of the things that I wish I'd found out earlier on was how to invest. I didn't find that out until quite late on in life. And I was never brought up to respect money. I was just told that money was tough and there was never enough of it. But if you don't respect it, you'll never have any. If you don't look after it, you'll never hold on to any because it'll just dribble away. So you have to value money to attract the money to you. It's just like people. If you're attractive to them, they will come to you. If you're repellent to them, they'll keep their distance. And money is just like that. What I want you to do is to choose what you want. Do you want to have no money or do you want to have money? hopefully quite a lot of money. Simply ask yourself a question. What would make you happier? Being comparatively wealthy or being skint? Having no money 
or having a bucket load of cash? What's going to make you happy? What could you use for good? Can you use poverty for good? Of course not. If you have money, can you use money for good? Can you use money to help people? Of course you can. So make the choice. Remind yourself there is no such thing as rich or poor. They're comparative terms. For instance, a poor person in the UK compared with a fairly well-off person in Africa or even a poor person in Africa. Is, is our poor Brit really that poor? No, they have TV, they have clothes, homes, shelter, food. Compared to, say, our poor person in Africa, we're immensely rich. Money is a choice, it's a state of mind. And if you master money and never let it master you, your life can be more powerful, more beneficial to yourself and the people around you, and a whole lot more fun. So, that's my 10 cents worth about money. Now, there's a lot there that I wish I'd been taught in school that I wasn't. I've come to learn it in later life and self-educate and get training on that. And I'm still learning about it. So what about you? Hopefully this helped and got you thinking more about money. If it did, I'd love to hear from you because that's what I'm here for. I'm here to help you so that you don't have to waste time and effort and your money learning the stuff that's taken me a lifetime to learn. So get in touch if that's been helpful. If it's been unhelpful, any tips or ideas for me, because I'm always looking to learn too. That's all for today. But in the next episode, we'll be talking about hybrid careers, what they are, the benefits to having one, and how you can have one too. So join me, Neil Camero, the bloke with a funny name, in the next episode of the Tutor Podcast. We'll be talking tutoring and how to start, grow, and love your tutoring business. See you next time. Get in touch with the Tutor Podcast via email or social media and the Tutor Podcast team will be listening. Subscribe on iTunes and you'll automatically get the latest episode directly sent to your device. And remember to share, rate and review TTP so that we can help other people to start, grow and love their tutoring businesses.